the day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Oh, if I can paraphrase Dwayne The Rock Johnson, finally, the Noonan is back in the nighttime. Hello, friends. Yes, I am back. WTMJ Nights, very, very excited to be here. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Little time away, little nourishing of the soul, but uh, back with you and looking forward to talking with you and look looking forward to talking to Tommy, who is executive producing the big broadcast. So if you call in and you talk to Tommy, make sure you are nice to him. That way you can get to me. It's Monday night, and here is our text question of the night to get us started at 855-616-1620. Spring training baseball has begun. With that in mind, what is your sure sign that spring is just around the corner. Spring training has begun, spring training baseball, if we must be specific, and I think we must. If that is the case, then what is your sure sign that spring is right around the corner? Tommy, good to be back. It's been a little while. I was gone. There were some sports. There were some schedule changes, but uh, I tried to keep in touch with you because I knew it would buoy your spirits if you caught a glimpse of me in my natural habitat uh, at Mardi Gras. Yeah, How are it looked you, like sir? you were having a blast. I'm great. Good to be back. Did you have a good weekend? Did you do anything exciting? Um, I worked quite a bit, um, but still had a decently exciting weekend. I went to Bacon Fest at Potawatomi, actually. I was a Ooh. vendor there. Yeah. You were a vendor at Bacon Fest? Right. I was my my other job, we were the only other place that was not selling bacon there other than the other radio station we were there for. I was going to say I knew uh I know your other job and it I had not thought it was bacon related. No bacon at all included. Okay. Wow, how was ba- Bacon Fest sounds like heaven to me. Honestly, it was all right. I it did really well for our advertising and promotion, I think. We gave away a lot of business cards, had a little discount going for if you book through there. And okay. uh, I, I will say, though, I think six hours immersed in the smell of bacon is my cap. My my stomach was getting a little bit grumbly at the end. <laughs> well, there's, there is, uh, you know, too much of a good thing. That can happen. Yeah, it was... It was a lot of bacon. It felt like I was inhaling bacon by the end of it. <laughs> so were they were they giving it? Were, were you, did you have to buy it from the vendors? Were they giving samples? Was it sandwiches? Was it all sorts of bacon related treats? What uh, what was the scene? No, yeah, I believe it was just an event to have a lot of businesses come promote whatever they wanted to, and most of them were pubs and bars, whatever companies that sold food, and they just brought bacon to cook kind of thing it was a a really interesting event but i mean it was at a casino and they had a bar so i was all for it i was gonna say i don't see the downside other than six hours because i can i can empathize it was the same with me at mardi gras with king cake i love king cake uh i had it uh, well, I purchased like it was just my wife and I, and I purchased three full size king cakes when I got to New Orleans. Um, two of them made it, almost two of them made it home. But uh, after after a few days of eating that for breakfast and then having it for snacks, I was like, okay, I'm good till next year. What, what would fine. king cake be? King cake would be similar to uh, similar to a Kringle 
kind of. It's a kind of a brioche, a brioche dough. Most of them, the traditional ones are just cinnamon. So it's like a cinnamon roll, and then it's frosted and decorated with uh, purple, green, and gold sugar. So like good with coffee? Oh, good with coffee. Yes. Good with coffee. And then I also found out that um, Mardi Gras King Cake Rum Cream is Ooh. also really good with coffee that first sounds thing good. in the morning. Yeah. It was, yeah. So that in King Cake, as you can tell, I was uh, Mr. Fitness, Mr. Healthy Eating. Well, you were in a parade. In, you did a little bit of walking, you know? Did a, well, I rode on the float. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I did, though. I did see the Dancing Grannies. You remember we did the interview with, uh, with, the, with Gene, the Dancing right? Grannies? Yes. Yes. So Gene, so I saw them because I was on the street when they... They walked kind. Of, they didn't officially march, but they walked with the six ten stompers at uh, the Crew of Iris parade, which is on Saturday. So they're coming by, and I was camped out right on the curb. We, it's uh, it's gotten a little insane. Saturday morning, my wife went out. She gave me. She let me sleep an extra hour. She went out on the parade route at uh, six thirty or six fifteen a.m. to get our chairs right on the curb. So. We're there waiting, and here comes here come the six ten stompers. I'm very excited. I'm like, all right, the dancing grannies are going to be right behind them, and I'm screaming, "Where's Gene? Where's Gene?" And all the women are looking at me like I'm insane. Now, granted, I was wearing a uh, kilt. I had on a big giant jester's hat. I was covered in beads. I probably looked insane. Uh, my green and gold, my purple green and gold custom Vans. But that kind of fits and, in down there at that time. Oh, if you're if you're dressed like a civilian at Mardi Gras, you look like the weirdo. Right, you couldn't have been the craziest dressed guy at no. Mardi Gras. Not even close. No, I was. Uh, I earned some kudos and some uh, specialty throws because of my immersive nature in Mardi Gras. Okay, because I'm dressed. I'm dressed for fun. I'm not uh, risque. It's it's just uh, my knees did get very sunburned from sitting in the kilt, but that's another story. So I'm screaming, "Where's Gene?" And the women are just looking at me and. Finally, I'm like, where's Jean? And one of the women, I don't know, I think she's in the truck. So Jean was Jean had uh, was taking a break. So on Sunday, when they were marching, I was ready again. Uh, this time we had paid a guy. This it's a whole it's a whole racket, Tommy. Next year we gotta we gotta take off a couple the week of Mardi Gras. Or we'll just do before. remote shows from Mardi Gras. We'll do remotes because we can get paid to save people's places on the street. Right. Yeah, there you go. This guy, uh, there were there were reports that people were big groups were paying. I don't know if they were all if they were homeless guys, just guys down on their luck, or guys who just were trying to make some money. There was a news report down there: guys getting paid twenty five hundred bucks to hold spots for people. So wow, for, I had that's seen for how long? Overnight. Yeah, that's worth Co it. Couple, oh yeah, it is. It was because they're, you know, they set up the the people have their tents set up and all this stuff, and they pay somebody to just stay there and watch it. So I had seen a guy near where we'd been watching the parades, and I'd seen him for a couple days, and we had been out there all day, so we were tired, and uh, I was like, we gotta, you know, let's do something. So I said to this guy, I go, hey, um, I introduced myself. His name was Russell. I'm like, I know you're. you're taking care of some other people's stuff i said i only have these two chairs uh if you know what can i give you to just uh, put our lay our chairs there and um he was like well i don't know 20 bucks like 20 bucks that's perfect 
So I give him a, give him his twenty. Uh, he pulled everything off of the neutral ground so they could clean, and then he set everything back up. And I'm taught like some of the groups had paid him a lot because they had tents in the whole nine. I just had two bag chairs that I just needed him to drop on the curb, and he was happy with that. So and then I'm like, hey, you want me to bring you back dinner? No. You want some beer? No. He asked me for marijuana. I was like, oh, I don't have any. I'm sorry. Uh, so I disappointed Russell, and he's just on the list now of people I've disappointed. But then I go back Sunday morning. And I went out early. The parades didn't start till 11. I was out there at about 8 o'clock. And there were my chairs all set up right on the curb. Best 20 bucks I ever spent. So now, back to the grannies, I'm waiting. They come by. And again, I'm screaming, where's Gene? Where's Gene? And they're all looking at me like I'm some sort of, you know, like a freak, like some pervert. And then a younger woman comes over and goes, what do you want with Gene? I'm her daughter. And I was like, oh, it's Brian Noonan. Uh, she was with me on WTMJ. Oh, my God, hold on. I'll go get her. She was in the. She was uh, taking a break again because what they would do is they would do their routines and then some of them would rotate out to, to get a rest and then rested grannies would come out and do the next little dance number because they were in a parade that was about mm, seven and a half, eight miles long. Which is like three and a half times or three times the size they usually do is what we had determined with Gene. Yeah, did you? Yes, Jean had said there, uh, what she said, like a mile and a half was the yeah, longest Yeah, a mile parade. and a half to two miles, I think yeah. it was something like that. Well, this one was long. So anyway, Jean came out, and we got to say hi, and we snapped a picture, and, uh, you know, and the grannies did a great job. And then one of the 610 stompers came over, and he's like, do you know them? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, working in Milwaukee, and I uh, talked to Jean on the radio, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, they're so great. We're so glad they came down. So everybody, the, the Milwaukee dancing grannies were a hit at Mardi Gras. Everybody who in, encountered them loved them, knew their story, was very excited to see them. So that was, it was great to get to meet her in person. And that was, thankfully, that was early in the day because Sunday ended up uh, being a 14-hour day on the parade route. 14 hours. You couldn't pay me to go to a, one parade here. But somehow down there, I don't mind sitting, uh, sitting all day trying to catch stuff like a lunatic. I'm almost, I almost got... Uh, some sort of spinal damage. I looked like a shrimp at one point because I had so many beads on from catching them. Like uh, Saturday, I had to go in halfway through the day and take half of them off and then come back out. So I've decided, I think I'm going to, uh, I may have reached the point, Tommy, and this may, this may make you sad because you did see a picture of me in all my beaded glory. Uh, I may now just sit back a little further and watch the parades and enjoy them and catch whatever comes my way rather than standing right where right on the curb and reaching up and trying to uh trying to get people to give me stuff i, I would figure you would go for like a bead record every year like you keep track of how many beads you get well i don't count the beads but i will tell you this there were a couple i had when i say done some research i watched the news that was that was it that was my research but i heard one of the crews um their theme bacchus was the crew the theme was throw me something mister so all their throats all their throats all their floats were mister related mister rogers mister freeze mister uh potato head mister you know and they really good floats well i had heard that they were throwing a mister potato head kit that when you put it all together, looked like the Roman god Bacchus with a wine glass and the whole thing. And I was like, oh, I got to get a potato head. And then my other, my, my favorite parade is Tux, which is kind of an irreverent, 
uh, toilet bowl themed parade where they they have hand decorated beautiful custom toilet brushes that people make and plungers and I've caught toilet brushes in the past or they've been handed to me because those are kind of hand so I'm there at the beginning of tux and the theme was tux can't drive 55 so everything's you know speed related and blah 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 but then they have a little walking section that was turtles and as the turtles are walking by one of the turtles says oh I love your I love your outfit you're such in the spirit blah 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 and then another turtle comes by and sees me and I see her reach into a bag and she pulls out this beautifully decorated bagged toilet brush and people start to swarm her and she walks right over to toward me she reaches over all the other people and bequeaths a beautiful toilet brush on me wow yes now i know here in milwaukee when i say that you think i need to be institutionalized which fair point however on the parade route at mardi gras that's a big deal then they had a tux uh bobblehead this year and i was shameless when I saw a guy with it, I was like, bobblehead, please, bobblehead. And he looks down and he must have thought, oh, this old man just escaped from the home. We should throw him something so he doesn't do, do himself or other people harm. And he tossed me the bobblehead. And Tommy, I'm telling you, it's like Christmas morning and your birthday and the first time you were with, uh, you know, you had a sexual experience all rolled into one. I caught that bobblehead and I screamed, I got the bobblehead! Was your wife jealous when you were handed the toilet brush? Like, my, specifically yes. pointed out to you? Yes, she was, oh, she, my wife has beat envy. Uh, to the point where she almost broke her ribs. Because she was, she was trying to get something, and she was walking down, the, the parade had stopped at one point Sunday night. Because unfortunately there had been a shooting about a half mile from where we were. So she starts walking down. She's going to go to the float while they're stopped and see if she can get this light-up uh, thing that, that they were throwing from this one particular float. Well, imagine three parades worth of garbage, plastic bags and old beads and everything just covering the streets, and somehow her feet got caught in the plastic and she fell. And when she she came back, I saw she didn't have the beads. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get them. She goes, no, I fell, and it was a whole thing. But thankfully, her ribs are just bruised. Thankfully, her ribs are just bruised, not broken. Um, which I found out, no difference. The doctor said whether they were broken or bruised, they do the same thing, which is nothing. So be careful of your ribs. But yes, she was she was jealous about uh, about that. Uh, she caught some really good stuff, and she was she got a muse's shoe. Which again, I know really doesn't mean anything unless you've been been to Mardi Gras. But it, this one female crew does hand decorated shoes, and she got one of those. And she's she was the only one in the family that did not have one, so now she's got one. And the whole and and peace has come to the Noonan house. There we because go. We're all good. Yeah. So that was that. It's uh, it's it's exhausting. It's good to be back. Um, it is one of those things that, uh, I think, I think everybody has a happy place. Do you have a happy place, Tommy? I, I like to think so. Yeah. And you don't have to share it, but, um, for me, New Orleans and especially New Orleans at Mardi Gras is my happy place because most of the day, uh, either between parades or whatever, I'm just sitting there in my chair on St. Charles Avenue, 
smoking a cigar, having a couple cocktails, talking to all kinds of people. Uh, we met people from all over. It was just, it was a blast, and our parade was fun. We threw so much stuff to people. It was, it was just a great time. But we're back, and it is Monday, and I tell you something, we are not doing uh, a Monday based on the new workplace mentality. What is that? I don't know. Well, I do know, and I'll tell you in a minute. Also, don't forget, spring training baseball has started. So our text question of the night, what is your sure sign that spring is on the way? We'll get to all of that and so much more. Whew, it's good to be back on WTMJ Nights. Nights. Oh, my goodness. We'll talk about this new uh, workplace mindset after the news. But our text question of the night, spring training baseball has begun. What is a sure sign to you that spring is just around the corner? Uh, let's see. My sign, this is a Jeff from Fox Point. My sign is that the Canadian geese are now back lurking and squawking outside my place of residence again. They keep on honking, but they can't come in. Yeah, the geese are coming back. Ge- Doug geese says... Run, uh, so- Geese run the, the campuses around the south part of the state. I will say that. I, I knew are, that. Those geese guys are terrifying. Are, oh man! I when I was at Parkside for two years, you didn't mess with the geese. I mean, they travel in packs, and th- those things get what they want. They're they're like gangs. Only you can't communicate with them at all, right? Because the, they look at you, and you know you're in trouble. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. I've had geese. You know, they come and they start to. You know, they start to pick up a little speed as they're waddling their little uh, goose butts at you, and they're coming and they're honking. It's like and they hiss. This? Yeah, and it's like, dude, I didn't do it. Relax. You know, and they they're worse than pedestrians who are on their phones when they try to cross the street. A goose gives zero care if you want to get somewhere. Geese are like, forget it, bro. We're walking across the street and we're taking as much time as we want. And if you don't like it, too bad because you can't do anything to us. You know, you can't. You cannot You cannot harm the geese. Uh, Doug says, signs of spring college basketball tournament and the Masters promos with Ray Charles singing Georgia. I love that. Steve says, my sure signs of spring is I've worked for heating and cooling distributor for the past 25 years. Sure sign of spring for me is when we get a truckload after truckload of air conditioners delivered to our distribution warehouse. So, you know, if the air conditioner is being delivered, spring must be right around the corner. That is a... Brilliant point, Steve. Uh, the 262 says, my birthday on March 21st. Very good. Um, Mike doesn't want us to take any more time off, Tommy. But his uh, his sign of spring, he just saw a dead skunk in the middle of the road. He and Loudon Wainwright third. It was stinking to high heaven. Mona says, opening day from the 608. Hearing Bob Euchre's voice is a sure sign of spring. Uh, the extended daylight is the surefire sign of spring for somebody in the 920. All right, let's do this. We'll come back. It'll be news time right here on WTMJ Nights. Nights. Yeah, you got to listen to that AM radio. But you never know when you'll be able to listen to us wherever you want. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not saying. Anyway, on the other side of the news, there is a new trend that is happening in the workplace. Hopefully it is not happening in yours, but maybe you are part of it. We will talk about that. It is 6.30. That means it's time to go to the WTMJ 24-hour news center. That's where Finn Askin is waiting. Nights. Oh, baby, it's electric. Takes 
855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank. Get old. Uh, the text question of the night with spring baseball, spring training baseball in full swing. What is your sure sign that spring is on the way? A lot of people texting in that it's when they hear Bob Uecker on the radio, and you will hear him again. Um, I know he's cutting back, but uh, you will still be able to hear him. Every home right game. Here on, every home game right here on WTMJ. So no reason not to. That will be fun. I know Greg Matzik is finally in Phoenix. He will be uh, reporting out there from uh, Brewers Spring Training all week. Here on WTMJ, so be listening for Greg's reports, and you can uh, you can follow him on Twitter as well. I, I got to get Greg in Dom's job, you know. Yeah, really. Get sent I, down I'm, to Arizona for a week to get paid. I've always been a little bit envious of those guys who get to you know because it's it's February, early March. It's still now this winter has been pretty mild so far. Knock on wood. But a lot of times when they get to go to spring training, we're freezing. It's like oh. Maybe we should have gone into sports. But, uh, yeah, you can uh, follow Greg and Dom and everybody on Twitter and uh, listen to them here on WTMJ. You can listen to us here. It's Monday. We're working hard. We're not giving in to this new trend that is taking over offices. Um, I don't know how widespread it is. Of course, I read this thing, and we we read stories, and we think, oh, everybody's doing this, but I haven't seen it too much. Uh, Tommy's working hard, and he's right in the age group that has embraced bare minimum Monday. Oh, is that a thing? Yeah. I, I guess. I guess it's a thing. It was it was uh, invented. She's a, a woman, a TikTok creator, is credited with coining the term and popularizing it. But it's bare minimum Monday, which basically boils down to this. This is another one of those buzzwords, those workplace things. Remember, quiet quitting was a thing about a month ago. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, loud resignations and all that. And then people talk about having the Sunday scaries, which makes me think that you're a toddler. <laughs> I'm scared on Sunday. Stop. You go to work on Monday. Do you want to go to work or school on Monday? Probably not. Nobody really does. Everybody would like a one more day on the weekend. But uh, if you're scared that you have to go somewhere on Monday, I think you need to seek some help. And that's okay to seek help. But uh, just embrace it and realize that you have to go in and talk to somebody. Uh, <laughs> somebody texting in oh, from the 414. Oh, my God, my generation is the absolute worst. I'm glad somebody texted it. I don't want to say it, but listen, there's there's days, let's be honest. There's days when we go to work and we all kind of we all kind of start off a little slow. Thankfully for like for us, we can take our slow part before the show starts. Yeah, we get a lot but, of time to warm up. You're right. We could ease into we could ease into our day and when our day is like tonight which is only 2 hours, we really don't have a lot of downtime. To, uh, to take a snooze. But that's basically what it is. It means um, taking it easy on the first day of the work week. So you kind of you kind of ease in and then you're back to normal. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you don't work, I guess, but you just do the bare minimum. Uh, so this woman's name is Marissa Joe Mays. She shared it in an insider story that she was experiencing the Sunday scaries, please. Uh, and she realized something had to change. Yeah, she needed to grow up, I think. But that's listen, that's old man talk. I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like a reversed ageist, Tommy. I, I embrace the young, you know that. Yeah. Uh but you also but, have old man talk a lot. You have old man Mondays. Sounds I like I do. I have <laughs> 
have old man weekdays. And then I rest up and gather more old man information on the weekends. So old man fact gathering is Saturday and Sunday and old man yammering is Monday through Friday. She says she doesn't take meetings uh, and she takes it slow for the first two hours on Monday, but she works at home now too. Um, she'll do some reading, some journaling, maybe some stuff around the house. That doesn't sound like bare minimum. That sounds like work avoidance Monday. Uh, it's two hours of no technology, no checking email, just doing whatever I need to do to feel good starting my day. Uh, I wonder how her boss feels about that. You know, cause there's all this debate about people working from home, um, and I know a lot of people who work from home love it, and they are they are as or more productive than they were working in the office. And that's that's been borne out by all sorts of studies. But then you hear this, and go, well, I take two hours, and I don't really do anything. She's gotten plenty of uh, attention for her buzz phrase. Some are taking the concept seriously. According to CNN's chief business correspondent, it's a real thing. Um, of course, we, we know that bare minimum Mondays would have its limits, don't you? Like, Tommy, if you came in and, and I said, hey, I, I send you something, you know, a piece of audio that I sent you today. And you go, well, I only pulled half of it because, you know, do you really need the whole thing? It's Monday. Can't we ease into the week? Can't you just send me some stuff tomorrow? That would that probably would not work out well. Um, it's all good and well, according to... Uh, a columnist uh, saying, I'm just going to do some light filing entirely at my desk, but what happens if the project you're working on hits an unexpected but enormous obstacle? What if your colleague is out sick and you need to cover their responsibilities? Yes. Uh, a lot of people suggesting, not me, but a lot of people. I'm doing, that old, uh, I'm doing that old political thing. A lot of people that said this, Tommy, not me, but a lot of people, that she's an entitled millennial who doesn't know the value of hard work. I'm not saying it. I'm just reading it. So she says uh, that we shouldn't put too much pressure on ourselves at the start of the work week. That's what the weekend is for. That's that's when we take the pressure off ourselves. Um, let's see. From the 414, I'm so glad you explained that bare minimum means something else to my age group. So bare minimum Mondays had a completely different mind picture. <laughs> All right, yeah, we just, you know, I don't want, not wearing the bare minimum, doing the bare minimum. Yes, every Monday, Tommy knows every Monday I do the show just in a, in a bikini. I mean, no one would know. Nobody would know. That's the beauty of radio. So we're doing theater of the mind. We're painting a visual picture. The glass windows at the Avenue really messed up how I did Mondays. Well, yeah, you know, I didn't want to put anybody off their tacos while they were out enjoying the, the food court at the Avenue. Uh, from the 414, grandfathers everywhere rolling in their graves. Yeah, I, listen, I'm all for, and it, it depends on your job, right? Like I said, we we have time to kind of ease in to things before we actually start. Uh, other people, you have to hit the ground running. And maybe, I don't know if that means you got to get up an hour earlier to get your, your zen time in on a Monday morning, but I would rather sleep until I had to get up rather than get up and go, what am I going to do for an hour except say how tired I am because I got up an hour early? So I don't know. I mean, is it is it a millennial thing? I don't think so. I think there's there's all different ways of doing it. And I think once you label it, that's when things start to leave a bad taste in people's mouth. If you just did it, if you just came in and did what you had to do on a Monday morning, but, you know, maybe maybe you don't schedule a meeting till 10 o'clock. 
okay, you're still doing your work. You know, you work from nine to 10 or whatever time you start. Then you start doing your meetings and all of that. But once we start, I don't understand the the need for all these workplace terms where everything has to have a label. It's got to be it's got to be quiet quitting, loud layoffs, the great resignation. Now it's uh, bare minimum Monday, then it's uh, take a flask to work Tuesday. I would say after fast food talk, work talk is our top topics all the time. We always have something like this it feels like. Yeah, cuz there's always are, what, Oh, you're saying we need to freshen no, up No, no, I'm I I Cuz I do have some fast food talk too. for later. Oh, okay, great. Just cuz I knew I was going to talk. I knew. It's, it is because here's all right. I'll I'll say why I, there's two reasons why I have this story. I'll tell them to you both when we come back after this on WTMJ Nights. Nights. You don't got to go to work. Oh, we got to go to work now. I Tommy, uh, you clarified your statement that you were not throwing shade at uh, at our content on the big broadcast. I would never. You- <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, we we do talk about we we talk about fast food just because you know we're goofballs and work stories always just fascinate me because doing this. You're kind of, the, the office setting here at uh, WTMJ and at uh, Good Karma. We're not really part of the office setting. Sure. You know, there's there's great departments doing all kinds of work, but we we're still kind of our own little group. Right. The and, content part of it. Yeah. And so I office politics always evades me, and these crazy office things always just fascinate me because I hear stories from my wife and daughter and friends who work in a uh, straight up office kind of deal. And I'm like, how do oh, how do people how do people deal with that? No, and I think we feel the same way about it. You know, get up, go to work, like do your yeah, job, you go to pick, work, pick that's a job a, you want to do, so you can get up and go do it. You know, and that's I'm, not I'm an idiot. age thing, right? Because I know a lot of young people, you included, who work very hard. And then I hear this, you know, oh, well, for my mental health, I have to ease into Monday. No, use Sunday to ease into Monday. That's what Sunday's for. So you can you can get all your things well, done at every home. Every day you would treat like I'm gonna do less now just turns your next day into Monday to everyone else. Exactly. You know what I mean? So if you yes. were taking less on Monday, well now Tuesday is your Monday while everyone else did their Monday yesterday. That's right. I did bare minimum Monday. Now I do uh, a tiny bit more Tuesday and a wee bit more on Wednesday, and then throw it away on Thursday because it's almost Friday, and then it's uh, Friday. I mean, you're not doing anything after 2 o'clock. You're right. just coasting. Coasting exactly. to the weekend. So there you go. Now, I told you I had, I I told you because you brought up work and fast food that, of course, we do have a fast food story for later in the show. But I did it for a number of – I pulled it for two reasons. One, because you and I love to talk about that kind of stuff, and people always get involved with, the, with our fast food talk. But Carol Deptola – the restaurant critic for the Journal Sentinel is retiring. And I think this is our, a perfect opportunity for us, Tommy, to branch out. Okay, yeah. we got to get, like, the chow hounds. And we go, and maybe we don't review fancy restaurants, but we review hole-in-the-wall joints, fast food stuff, pop-ups, uh, bacon fests, like a, like, like a that. diners, drive-ins, and dives, but for southeastern yes. Wisconsin. That's right. We go where the fancy schmancy folks won't, because we like right. to hobnob with the regular folk. 
Okay. Yeah. There's there's something there. There is something there. You know, and we do it as a feature here. We we do. And I think we have Jason Smith doing Fish Fry Fridays now for Lent all the way through oh, that. that on good. see, that's perfect. Yeah. Was I think it's on Wisconsin's Morning and Afternoon News. So right. I'm pretty sure it's on both of them. They're already branched into a little bit of food ventures, but we could figure it out. We could bring him on as a correspondent. I'm not opposed yeah, to that. Yeah, every, you know, every Friday. For seasonal, for uh, Lenten things, and maybe, uh, you know, who knows, what other, uh, you know, snow cones or something in the summer, something like that. But uh, I thought, well, if Carol's leaving, the Journal Sentinel's really going to be looking for somebody, and uh, why not? Oh, Jeff says Culver's Walleye is back. That would be a good review. I saw that, Jeff. Yes. The... Uh, they're bringing back something else besides the walleye, but uh, yeah. So the walleye is back. I've I've only had I we just had Culver's Fish and Chips uh, Friday night because I didn't want to go out, and uh, but man, it was good. Their their fish and chips is good. So we will be talking about it. We got a fast food story, like I said, for later. But uh, yeah, if if anybody from the Journal Sentinel is looking for an unusual kind of new spin. Now that Carol, who has done a yeoman's job at the Journal Sentinel for a long time, but uh, yeah, she is she is leaving. She's retiring. We're not trying to take anybody's job. You never know. We could do it. Uh, Tommy and I could put a different spin on it. You Just know? eager to eat. Yes, eager to eat. Generational. It's good. We're going to have two different points of view. You know, the young, optimistic man, full of hope. And then there's me. Uh, so it would all, it all kinds of, there's a lot of different angles we could take on this. I probably should have just written this up and sent it to the Journal Sentinel. But well, this is, our, I think this once is it, our out loud resume and out loud right. page to them. Exactly. This is, this is better because now there's a public record of it. They could say, well, you guys never, uh, you know, they take the idea, not that they would, but, you know, if we send them something, they don't know. But now we've got a, now we've got a record of it. It's out in the public airwaves. They were lobbying for this gig. How good a typist are you? All right. All right, that's probably better than me. I'm average at best. I, I would say pretty good. We were doing typing a All lot right. through school. I would say for my age group, I'd be in the above 50 percentile. That's very... All right, that's good. Because I'm, I'm a two-finger typist. I'm fast with two fingers. I probably use more than just two. Oh, no. But I'm I not use the... all the correct fingers on all the keys. See. Yeah. I learned on a jumbo upright typewriter, though, back, you know, in 1468. My, my mother is ridiculous at it. I think she's 150 words a minute kind of thing. Yeah, my wife is insane. Like, I watch my wife typing, and I'm like, you're not even typing words, are you? You're just hitting the keys. It's like when they show monkeys trying to type a book. But... She, boy, it's all correct. I'm sure My she took that, that as a compliment, too. I, I Probably not, but she's <laughs> used to it by now. She knows it's my way. It's, it's jealousy and admiration all rolled into one. It's where I'm like, I, I, I admire the fact that you can do it that way, and because I'm jealous, I must lash out like a child. Fair enough. So, speaking of lashing out like a child, uh, we're... There's no segue here except for some people are lashing out at Ian Fleming and uh, James Bond. We'll talk about that quickly after we do this on WTMJ Nights. I don't want to know, I don't want to know. I'm not one of these guys who complains about people being woke. I think there have been mistakes made in the past that uh, need to be rectified. I think... There is a time for change, but I also don't think that going back and erasing mistakes of the past 
is always the best move, especially when it comes to literature or music or things like that. Uh, I'm not saying that we use the excuse, well, it was a different time, but really, in some ways, it was a different time. When things were written, they were written in a different time. And if you want to tell people, hey, uh, this book this book has some things in it that uh, you may, in 2023 retelling, find a little offensive, that's fine. But to go back and rewrite history, I think, is a dangerous thing. Uh, saying that is because now uh, you've probably heard all about the Roald Dahl editing going on. They're taking certain language out of, like, James and the Giant Peach and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all Roald Dahl's stuff. Well, now they're doing it to James Bond novels. They're going to rewrite some sections. According to The Telegraph, which is a newspaper in the U.K., uh, ahead of the issue of the Bond novels in April, which is going to be the 70th anniversary of Casino Royale being released, which was the first James Bond uh, book that came out, rights holders, which is Ian Fleming Publications, uh, commissioned a review by sensitivity readers. Right there, I have a problem, because what's, what's sensitive to you may not be sensitive to me, and vice versa. So they hired these sensitivity readers. And we'll get into this more after the news. Uh, but my question, I guess, for you is, at what point should we go back and erase history and change it? And this is not a, a woke argument or a non-woke argument. It's in, in literature. Like, would you go back and change the Bible? Because there's some things in the Bible that people may find offensive or shocking. So where do we draw that line? We'll talk about it a little more after the news. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, we've got a lot to get to in the second hour of the big broadcast. So stick around because news is next here on WTMJ Nights. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Welcome back to Hour 2 of the Big Broadcast. We're here till 8 o'clock tonight. Oh, my goodness. We started before the news. We started talking about the James Bond novels that are now going to be edited uh, because Ian Fleming Publications has commissioned uh, sensitivity readers to go back and say, hey, 70 years ago, when Casino Royale came out and then the subsequent books, things were different. And there were... There were, you know, sexist and uh, racially charged passages in these books, and we don't think in 2023 and beyond they need to be in there. And normally I'm not a guy who says, oh, you know, this is... Uh, I don't rail against people being quote-unquote woke or people being... You know, just a little more aware of things. That's fine. But when it comes to censorship of any kind, that's where I tend to draw the line because I work in a business and you're listening to a business where, you know, censorship, boy, it, has a, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Somebody telling you what you can say, what you can read, what you can think, uh, what, what, what should offend you and what shouldn't offend you. Now, they said what they're going to do is put a little uh, disclosure on 
at the beginning of the books. And that part I find okay. They have they're gonna each book when they're reissued is gonna have a disclaimer. This book was written at a time when terms and attitudes which might be considered offensive by modern readers were commonplace. Um at that that's what I where I would stop. And I would leave the original text alone. They are adding a number of updates have been made in this edition while keeping as close as possible to the original text and the period in which it is set. That's the that's the disclaimer that's going to be on all of these. My question to you is where does that stop? Because, again, what is offensive to me may not be offensive to you and vice versa. When it comes to reading a book, I take into account when it was written. I take into account the mindset of people in that time, and I think it's okay to get a glimpse back and go, boy, times have changed, or times haven't changed, or thankfully, uh, you know, times have changed. But I don't think erasing everything that now in 2023 we find bothersome or offensive is the right way to go because really there's nothing that says we have a right to not be offended you know now jeff uh jeff makes a good point he texted in and you can too at 855-616-1620 which is of course the old national bank talking text line uh jeff says i'm generally against the editing i don't watch the connery movies anymore because he slaps women around in multiple of his movies and has even condoned it in interviews but i don't campaign to have the slaps edited out i don't fault people for watching them but i also expect to not be faulted for my choice either jeff you're making the perfect choice you are choosing as an adult what you're going to watch and what you're not going to watch and uh that that's how it should be for all of us if you if you think that you know dr seuss or roald dahl or ian fleming has some language that you find objectionable and you don't want to put it in a context of uh, eras and things like that that's fine you have every right to not read it you have every right not to watch a movie you have every right not to listen to music it's okay what we don't have a right to be is free of any sort of objectionable material because so, so can i ask again, you a question about it real you quick, can Brian? ask me a question so what, what's your stance on it with schools and with uh education and curriculum because i i mean famously to kill a mockingbird like comes to mind right. with how that can be controversial in the school do you think that you know me i think it can you go ahead yeah no uh, to answer your question i think it a lot of it comes down to age mm -hmm. a lot of it comes down to school boards or school districts which most of them do putting things out and then you know uh, putting their curriculums out and letting parents letting parents have a say and if you were if you are dead set against your child reading to kill a mockingbird for example then i think the school can find you an alternative does that mean i think the entire uh the to kill a mockingbird should be erased from the curriculum for everybody absolutely not okay it's a classic piece of literature but if you as a parent in in your family say you know we really have an objection to this i think it's incumbent on the school boards to have here's the main book of the curriculum here's a book that is an alternative that is similar in what what we're trying to teach whether it's 
character study, whether it's lessons learned from a book, any anything that you're teaching, we can learn it from this book too. And you have one choice. This is it. Because that could that could turn into a whole rabbit hole of nightmare. And do you think there should be disclaimers sent out before the units or like a syllabus at the beginning of the year is sufficient for that? I think a syllabus at the beginning of the year is sufficient. I think okay. if you say in quarter number two we're going to be reading uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and or whatever book, since I'm using that as because that was your that's example, the, Yeah, Tommy. that's the easiest one yeah. I could think of is in it, schools. So I think a syllabus and then, you know, then if somebody has a problem with it, well, then you have to say something. You can't wait till after the fact. If you have the syllabus beforehand, we tell you these are the books we're reading, and you go, well, I don't want my kids to read that. All right, then you have this other choice. And Right. I think, And I think generally students are pretty indifferent about it, and yeah. they, you know, they... You I, know who's... They, <laughs> That for right now, it's a lot of parents' decisions on those yes. those issues right now. It's but people who are looking for attention because you're right. The students are going to read it, and I here's the other thing. And I hate to use the term teachable moment because that's been beaten to death. But if you're a responsible literature teacher, whether it's middle school, high school, college, this is a good way to, you know, point out. All right, in in the like, think about Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Sure. Okay. Well, obviously, most people do not hold those same thoughts that were in Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. They don't use the language that was in there. But does that mean that those books should not should be edited? That those books shouldn't be read? No. Those books should be taught. And another part of the lesson is. Look at the evolution not only of language, but of cultural mores, of public thought. If everything is if everything is pablum and non-objectionable, how do we learn anything? That you know, I rem I remember when you used to go to college to have your ideas challenged. It was a place to broaden your mind. And if you got offended, okay, then you then you debate it. And maybe maybe your point holds up. Maybe your point, maybe you convince somebody to come to your way of thinking. Maybe you go to somebody else's way of thinking. But we didn't always have to worry about the being offended and having to explain. It's uncomfortable sometimes to have to explain some of the language in these books. Right. And my thought so you're on not it reading is, them to kindergarten kids. My, and my thought on it is, if we're changing them, it's for the future and the adults have already passed through this stage. You know what I mean? So what is the mm -hmm. point of changing it if we're aiming at we're aiming change at the adults? It sure seems like it's aimed at the kids who probably wouldn't be reading it at the time anyway. Right. And I think I think a lot of this, if people are honest, ha really has nothing to do with the book. It's about it's about a million other things. Political, uh, backing a certain, you know, a certain political belief that thinks one side is trying to corrupt the youth of America, even though, like you said, Tommy, these, these same people who are complaining about it probably read these same books at school. And I would imagine if you ask them, they are not corrupted. You know, we just, we've gotten to a point where it's just so easy to give in. Somebody asks, uh, then do I consider censoring rap music or video games or movies? No.
No, I don't. You, we, here's the thing. We have the right and the power to decide whether we're going to buy a rap album, stream a certain artist, go to a movie, let your kid play a video game, play a video game yourself. Nobody is forcing us to do any of these things. Now, in school, it's different. Yes, if this is the assigned reading, then you have to read it. But James Bond, as far as I know, was never assigned reading in school. What, a, what an AP Lit class that would be. That would be great. Yeah, see, that would be like a college course. Right. The, the writings of James Bond. And then you'd go into the whole, the whole uh, how it, sexism and racism. Right. I'm sure there would be all different themes and disputes yes. from that as well. Yes. Right. So, and, and you know what? That's okay to discuss that. But these are, you know, these are not books that are on assigned reading lists. So I, I think we just have to be careful. This is because, and I, I use this example prior to the news. I'll re-hit it again. Some people would find a lot of the subject matter in the Bible offensive. You know? So, and, I, and I'm, I'm not calling for, for any censorship of anything, let alone the Bible. But, you know, the Bible is a book. People read it. So, it, you know, if the sensitivity readers are there, and I know, you know, Ian Fleming himself had said that he wanted some of these things changed and his, uh, you know, his estate is saying we're just doing this for him, but it's all for money too because then they're also afraid that they're going to get backlash if they don't. So I understand business, but I also think we run a real, real risk if we take, try to completely erase everything that somebody might find offensive. All right, we got to get away from this because uh, now I'm offended by uh, I'm offended by myself. You know who else offends me? Karens, just run-of-the-mill Karens. Maybe you are one. Maybe you know one. Uh, one was not too far from here in Rockford. She's the latest Karen to uh, get all sorts of publicity. We'll talk about her and so much more. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Nights. You can call us on the phone, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. You can talk to us or you can text us. You can talk to Tommy. Whatever you need to do. Uh, just don't be a Karen when you call. Don't call and complain. And blah, blah. We've, heard, we've heard all the stories, right? The Central Park Karen who called the police on. See, it's a lot of times, let's be honest, it's a, uh, a white female calling the police on uh, African-American men. Black men. Well, right down the road, not too far in Rockford, Illinois, this happened again. Um, so, and Karens are usually shamed because it comes out that boy, they're just idiots. Uh, I think this is this one falls right into that line. There was a, a woman came out and she started yelling because two black men had shoveled her sidewalk. Now, one of them, uh, they they have a snow removal business. They had shoveled the driveway of the house next door to hers because they knew the owner of that house. And so they just shoveled the side. You know, they were shoveling the sidewalk in front of that house. They knew that this uh, older woman lived there, so they shoveled her sidewalk as well. Most of us, I think, would be grateful for that. You know, I woke up the other day. My neighbor had shoveled just in front of my house, and I, I couldn't have been happier. You know, I'm not going to complain. Well... 
You know, that's that's just me. Now, you may say, well, Brian, did they shovel her sidewalk and then expect money? Oh, no. No, no, no. For free. They just did it. I know this is this is going to shock some people. They just did it to be nice. People Sometimes people just do things to be nice. They do things to be neighborly, which in this day and age I know is tough because a lot of us uh, maybe don't know our neighbors, don't talk to our neighbors. We worry about taking care of our own business, and that's it. But these guys didn't. Okay. So Gregory McAdroy, Mc, McAdory is one of the guy's names, and he and his friends have, the, like I said, a snow removal business in Rockford. They had gone over to shovel their friend's driveway, and afterwards they decided to move on and clear the sidewalk in front of the neighbor's house. The owner of the house suddenly came outside. Oh, boy, and she was not happy. So in any, listen, this is, in any Karen encounter, what happens? The phone comes out. And, oh, my goodness, you start uh, you start recording, and this is a little bit of what it sounded like in Rockford last week. Are you seriously mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk? Your sidewalk? So you mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk? Don't trespass I don't need We're helping you. We're like you mad because we cleaned off your sidewalk? We time to pause it for a second because I want people. If, if you hear that sound, that's not that's not them shoveling. That's her putting the snow back on the sidewalk. That's her taking her shovel and scraping all the snow off her yard back onto the sidewalk while she chastises these guys. Hey, are you that upset? What would Jesus do? If you're a real if you're a real Christian, you okay. have to be. I don't no, I Call the police. <laughs> that was so it. Calling a, what are you calling the police for? That's for property. Put them, put them on, on speaker. This is the sidewalk. This is a public sidewalk. Put them on speaker. This is a public call, sidewalk, ma'am. I don't know if you own this home, call but it's him. a public sidewalk. It is a public it's sidewalk. Right so uh, that's it, it goes on like that for a while with the woman just, you know, insisting that they're trespassing and they shouldn't be there. And she's calling the police and the police finally come and... Um, the police come and they they see what's going on and they're like, "Good oh boy, all right, uh, listen, just just thank you, but just don't don't go near her sidewalk." Um, she gave and, me an all time sound drop in here that we didn't get to. Uh, all right, what was, is it? It's it's a. Uh, they don't have no respect. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna keep that, aren't you? They don't in the have archive? no respect. <laughs> They don't have no respect. It's, it's a great one. I'm gonna have it that is. forever now. That will. Let's I, hear it one more time. Yeah. I. They don't have no respect. <laughs> it's ah. such a like. What? Well, well, that's great for so many things. I mean, I, we could use it nonstop. They don't and have people no are like, <laughs> people are like, oh, please don't use it nonstop. Uh, no, we'll we'll Tommy Tommy will use it judiciously, but you know we just don't have no respect. Uh, so yeah, this woman was about three and a half feet tall. She, I don't know what she thought was the respect. She got mad that they were filming her when she was talking to the police. They're taking pictures of me, people I don't know. Now they were, the, the guys in the video were never close to her. It was never, they, they never seemed to menace her or be threatening in any manner. All they had done was shovel her sidewalk, not her walkway up to her door the public sidewalk in front of her house. So I don't know what, I, you know, it. you don't want to put words in people's mouths, even though I love to do that. But 
there, there doesn't seem to be any other reason not to. Because she said she knew the one guy because he's friends with her next door neighbor. So she knew the one guy. She didn't know the other guy. And, you know, it, it's not like they were lobbing snowballs at her house. They weren't knocking on the door asking for money. They were just trying to be good citizens. And, Tommy, you know my feeling on that. Forget it. Can't do it Don't anymore. Try to be, no good deed goes unpunished. So another Karen, alive and well, in Rockford. Hopefully they're not lurking in your neighborhood. Hopefully you're not one of them. We got to do this. Then it's news time, WTMJ. They don't have no respect. On the other side of the news, a woman is mad at Walmart, uh, the aforementioned fast food story, and the easiest am I the jerk ever. A lot to get to as we get ready to head out here at 8 o'clock. Right now, though, it's time to go to the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom. That's where Finn Askin has been waiting patiently for me to shut my mouth, show him some respect so he can do the news. Nights. Wow. Going back in the Wayback Machine for this one. I got range, man. I know. I'm very excited. We're here till 8 o'clock. Then it's Bucks Weekly with uh, our good friend Justin Garcia. I was thinking of uh, you guys. I did not stop. Or I was thinking of you mostly, but uh, since you and Justin... Justin also likes our fast food conversations. I was looking for... Um, I was going to stop at a Taco Bell because you had talked about Taco Bell breakfast. Yeah. So while I was on the road, I was looking, but I did not, uh, at breakfast time, I did not go buy a Taco Bell. So I was it's unfortunate. unfortunately not able to do that. I did eat some gas station food, though. That, gas station fried chicken. No, gas station fried chicken in New Orleans is like, in Louisiana, all through, is a thing. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Unbelievable gas station chicken. They also have meat pies, like... Uh, Crawfish pies and uh, Cajun meat pies at the gas station. The food just sounds amazing in New Orleans, always. Dude, the food is so good. It is so good. We tried uh, one new place. We went to a couple favorites. Then we tried one new place for uh, char-grilled oysters. Oh, my goodness. Best, best, and that's saying something, best char-grilled oysters I've had because it's so garlicky. Uh, but, yes, that was, so now, you know what? Let's do the fast food story now. Then we'll talk about the woman who's mad at Walmart. Um you know, we we talk about we talk about uh, treats a lot because we enjoy food. We enjoy fast food. We know it's not uh, the best for us all the time. Especially this because uh, bigger has now become better. This I did not know. McDonald's didn't introduce the double cheeseburger until 1965, and then some of their franchisees wouldn't even put it on the menu because that back then people were like two burgers on a two patties on a burger. That is that's unbelievable. That's like one of the seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You can't eat that much. Now imagine going to a place that doesn't have a double cheeseburger. They're everywhere. So everybody is trying to get bigger and bigger. Um, McDonald's is trying to keep up with Wendy's and Burger King because Burger King uh, embraced a trend a while ago and uh, moved its secret menu suicide. Have you heard of the suicide burger? I have not. It's a four patty a four patty burger. Now it's in the regular menu, but they've changed the name. They call it the quad stacker. Ooh, that's uh, that's a lot of patty. That's a lot. Yeah, that's too. I, 
I'm going to say it, and I love a Whopper, but that's too much patty. I can't even do a double Whopper, to be honest with you. I can go, I, a Whopper's good for me. So Burger King's doing the the quad stacker. They got they changed the name, which is smart. Uh, Suicide Burger doesn't sound too great. I'm not going to be in the car with the kids. I'd like two uh, King meals for the children, and I'll take a Suicide Burger. Daddy, what's the matter? Are you mad at us? No, no, no. I'm just very hungry. That's not that's not the branding you want if you're Burger King. Could you order it like that before this, though? I guess you could if you knew, if you knew that. All right. I've had enough of uh, fast food restaurants with their secret menus. Let me just say that. Put it on the menu or shut up. I don't need I don't need Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, In-N-Out, all these other fast food places to have secret menus so it's like a club. Then I feel like I'm missing out, even if I'm only ordering the thing that I really like at that place. Like, you know, if I if I discovered that Culver's had a secret menu where the curd burger was nothing but curds wrapped around meat, uh, and I could have ordered it that way. I don't know if I would have, but I'd feel bad that I didn't know. So stop it, fast food places. Stop catering to all these uh, people who want to feel special. Well, and McDonald's was doing that for a little bit. Was it last year they had the secret menu items they came out with, but they only gave you the ingredients or sandwiches that it would? They wouldn't actually make the stuff for you? Oh, yeah. Right, you couldn't get it at the restaurant, but it was like the the triple. There was a fish sandwich, and there was something else. Right, you could so, put the fish, the chicken, and the burger all on one, but they just made you buy a fish, chicken, and burger. Right, sandwich. and then you could build it yourself. Because McDonald's went, listen, we know there are lunatics out there, but we're not, you know, we're not going to help you. Right. If if you want to do this, go right ahead. And if you put a fish, a chicken, and a hamburger together. You deserve every sort of intestinal distress that you're going to get. Yeah, it can't be good for the blood sugar and all that, whatever, too. It can't be good for anything. It's there, there. Listen, first of all, you're putting all the species together. That can't be good. You can't have you can't have beef, fish, and chicken all molded together. You got to have some separation. Separation of church, state, and proteins. That's you know that that's should be in goes. the constitution. Yes, that's uh, that's a new law. If we were ever going to make some laws, that would be one of them. So yeah, Burger King is at Wendy's. Uh, doesn't have a name for their burgers that go beyond double, but you can order up to a triple patty sandwich with any hamburger. And even though it's not on their menu, you could order the quad, a four patty baconator. Wow. Ooh, that is so much. How do you not sleep for a day and a half? Right. That is that. It just seems like... A lot going on in your belly after that. That's got to weigh two pounds. Is that a 2,500-calorie burger? Oh, it's got to be more than if, that. If you're putting cheese on all those patties, too? Four four patties, cheese, all the bacon. Now, a regular Baconator, you know, I'll push you aside. I'll grab it. But that's where, that's where you draw the line. Maybe. Maybe right, the I don't bacon know if you're a competitive is to draw eater. The line, not the extra patties on top of it. No, it's but four patties, four of those Wendy's patties on a burger with all that. But oh boy, uh, it, they they have a secret menu too. It's been on their secret menu. I want to slap somebody with the secret menu. Uh, but now McDonald's is getting into the game. They've um, sold some variations worldwide of a three patty sandwich, but it never made the official. Menu in the U.S., but that is changing. Uh, I don't know. Triple cheeseburger to the menu. 
That's on their website. So now you can get a triple cheeseburger. They describe the triple. Well, do, do I really need to describe what a triple cheeseburger is to you? If you don't know what a triple cheeseburger is, maybe you don't have any business buying a triple cheeseburger. But I'll tell you, it's three patties. No fillers, additives, preservatives. This is from uh, McDonald's. Then, you know, pickles, onions, ketchup, mustard, two slices of melty American cheese. So it's uh, they are adding new items like the famous order collaborations that celebrities have had. So McDonald's, McDonald's has been pretty good about sticking to their classic menu. During the pandemic, a lot of these other fast food places were adding new things, trying to get people to come in or, or at least drive through and order and whatever. Uh, McDonald's pretty much stuck to their thing, but now they're getting into the bigger is better. What's the biggest? What's the biggest food thing you've ever eaten, Tommy? Was it a giant steak? Was it a huge burger? Was it eight slabs of ribs? That seems um, excessive. I I remember we would have special porterhouse steaks for Ooh. birthdays, whatnot, when yeah. uh, with my grandma, and you know maybe like. Was this the same grandma that gave you the sex talk? Same one. Same grandma. This grandma yeah. sounds great. Yeah. She she used to bring her own steak sauces and spices to the steakhouse. Like, she wouldn't let them touch it. <laughs> she had a bag she brought with her everywhere. So, I would say, like, anywhere from, like, that 25-ounce range, somewhere around there. Okay. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. That's a big steak. It was a big that steak. That is a big steak. It's like the, uh, the old 96er. Yeah, not no. Was that's not a that's not Uncle Buck. That's the other one. What's the that's other great one? outdoors. Great outdoors. I knew it was great John outdoors. Candy. I could do that. But yeah, the yeah, pancake. The, the pancake was Uncle Buck. Great. Yeah, that's my favorite scene of that movie. That's a great scene. <laughs> Should see the toast. Couldn't even fit it through the door. <laughs> yeah, I I used to be I used to be able to eat like that, like giant giant things, and now I can still I can still put some stuff away. But there comes a point where, especially with beef and heavy heavy stuff i can't eat it the way it just I gets too repetitive now when you eat a lot of something you know i was complaining about that when we were talking about uh the taco john's where it has yeah. potato and everything so if i get multiple burritos i'm just eating potatoes it feels like yeah that's that's exactly what it is you're just it's non-stop or i, I like a i like a good burger a half pound burger to me is ideal that's the perfect Perfect size for a burger, you know. Anything smaller, eh, not the, you know. But if I'm making if I'm making some burgers at home, if I'm going to, you know, a couple bars that I like that have burgers, they're half-pound burgers, that's that used to be where I'd still go, I, I could probably put another burger down. Now a half-pound burger, that's good. But, you know, back, I think the most, the most gluttonous thing, and I remember this from, from when I was younger, uh, there used to be a re talk about. All right, you know how we were talking about uh, editing James Bond novels and Roald Dahl novels. There used to be a restaurant chain, chain called Sambo's. I don't know if you remember. You probably don't remember it, Tommy. No, no gone, idea of Sambo's. Yeah, Sambo's was like a Denny's, and it was named after the the story of the prince who the tigers chased him, and the tigers turned into butter, and he was an African prince, and it was a whole thing. And, you know, they were a breakfast place, but they had other stuff. And then uh, they started doing, on Wednesdays, all-you-could-eat fried clams. And my buddies and I would go on Wednesday night, and we would pretty much uh, cancel the clam populations from every 
water source on the globe. We would eat fried clams like it was our job. That was probably the most... Those were the kind of things where I would do the most damage. Yeah, the, the, the all-you-can-eats, the old country buffets, whatever, oh, you know. God. Golden Corrals, yeah. all, all those. Those yeah. were... When I was on the road all the time, the Golden Corrals, uh, the uh, It's not the a single yeah. pair of jeans in a Golden Corrals. Oh. I mean, it's it's a great feeling. Oh, yeah. You're just... You're wearing your eating pants. Like, I would, I would borrow ladies' maternity pants that just expanded in the front. Right. Sometimes they go, is that man pregnant? I don't think so. I think he just left uh, Ryan's Steakhouse. Just dipping everything in the chocolate fountain. Didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Was that, is that quote-unquote steak? Nothing tastes better with cho- without chocolate on it. Bloop. Yeah, there was those places. Then you get to a point, you're like, I can't be in here. This is... <laughs> This is not for me. Right. You can only go to a Golden Corral probably 50 times in your life or something yeah. like that, and then it's over. So you got to take advantage when you can. Right. There used to be a chain. I don't know if they're still around. CC's Pizza. And it was like $5 yep, for yep, all you CC's. Can... Yeah. When I was on the road, 5 bucks, you could eat like a maniac, and they can't throw you out. You know? What'd you have? I had 16 pizzas and then a, a tub of pasta. How long were you there? Hour and a half. I just just kept putting it Put in. Put a shift in. Yeah. <laughs> I worked the early shift. I was there from I was there from noon till eight, and then I had to get to work. Oh well, that's uh, you must be very proud of yourself. I am. All right. I promised that we would talk about uh, a lady who's mad at Walmart. We'll do that right after this on WTMJ Nights. Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Sometimes, and that sometimes is most of the time, I am convinced that we are way too litigious, and people will try to sue over the smallest things. Most of us have been in a grocery store or a big box store and had a cart bump us, Uh, whether it was pushed by another customer, whether it is pushed by an employee, Sometimes things happen, you take a little bump, you move on, no big deal. Well, that doesn't that doesn't work if you're at a Walmart in Chattanooga. A woman is claiming she was hit by a shopping cart and she's suing Walmart for $3 million. Now, I was going to play the video, but it's just surveillance video and that doesn't there's no audio, so it wouldn't be a very good video on uh, on the show. But Christine Christopher is saying that uh, She has been receiving medical treatments after being hit by several grocery carts back in 2020. If you Google this, you'll see the surveillance video. Now, this woman is standing. We've all been to a Walmart or a Target, any any kind of store where all the carts are inside the first door. So you walk in the vestibule, and there's all the carts. So she gets her cart, and she's walking away. And then all of a sudden, an employee must have brought in carts from the outside, and he pushed them, and the row of carts came up, and they bumped her on the back end. Now, she claims that she blacked out for a second, but the only thing that happened is her wig flew off. And I'm not, ma- I'm not ma- I wish I was making that up, but you can't make it up. Her wig flew off. She walked back. She took her cart. She went inside. Well, no, that's not enough. She is claiming... Um, That she blacked out for a second after being hit. She says, quote, And when I came back to myself, I realized I had been hit. 
and my legs were scarred up. My neck was hurting. My back was hurting, and I was just all messed up. Can you smell frivolous lawsuit and attempt to extort? I allegedly can. Um, she said she filed a, a lawsuit weeks after the incident happened. She had a lawyer then, but then the lawyer quit, so now she's representing herself. She says until this day, she's dealing with injuries from the incident and receiving treatment. She's taking medication to help with post-traumatic stress, nightmares, and eating. Wow, I have all of those things. I should sue Walmart, too. I'm going to have something to eat after the show. Is that enough? Uh, there's times when you have to look at a case like this, and hopefully, you know, she doesn't have a lawyer. Hopefully Walmart does not settle with her, because if you watch, the, that's the beauty of surveillance cameras. You can see she didn't black out. She ran over, picked her wig up off the floor and put it on, and then went shopping. So there was no way she was scarred. It's just now we can now everybody can sue. Everybody thinks her this woman thinks she's gonna be the next Tracy Morgan. Even though Tracy Morgan was literally hit by a truck and one of his friends died, and you know, that was a righteous lawsuit. This is not. She's suing the she says, I'm suing them for three million dollars. I don't know what I'll be getting, but that's what I'm asking for. Oh, I think uh, I think we know what you'll be getting. She says she deserves every bit of this money because she'll never be the same as how she was before she was before she was hit. Instead of short term, they need to pay me for long term because it's been three years now and I'm still having the same pains and all that stuff. Wow. All right, Walmart uh, sent a statement saying, we want our customers to have a safe and enjoyable shopping experience. We plan to continue to defend the company. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good for, good for you. Uh, and listen, I'm not, I don't always side with big business, but sometimes you have to look at it and say, oh, well, this is, uh, this is not good at all. All right, we got to do this. Then we'll be back. We're setting the table. Justin Garcia coming up after 8 o'clock with Bucks Weekly. This is WTMJ Nights. Jay Nights. I'm so glad to know you. Oh. Gee, thanks. Who is this, Tommy? Hi, uh, this is Jeremy Zucker. Wow. Very upbeat, very jazzy. Uh, all right, we're starting, uh, we're getting ready to wrap things up here. Uh, Justin Garcia coming up after the 8 o'clock news with Bucks Weekly. Uh, we'll be back Thursday night because we've got Bucks games tomorrow and Wednesday night. So I'll be back with you Thursday and Friday and then next week because uh, we're back now. No more no more vacations for me, Tommy. I got to get back to work. This is not a bare minimum Monday for me. Seriously. Yeah, we're, we're, we're down. So we'll be doing all that. It is good to be back. Um, like I said, uh, Mardi Gras was... Now, I did, I did send you a picture. When you saw that picture that I sent you, what did you, what did you think? My, my first initial reaction was in his natural element. I, 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 that's all I could think of. I just knew you were so happy to be there and that you were now surrounded by your people. I, my, my people, a lot of people who are, who are uh, dressed strangely, imbibing heavily, doing all sorts of stuff. We mentioned happy places before, and you said you, you have a happy place, but that for some reason you were, you were going to share it, but uh, you would share it later. So before we get out of here, what is your happy place? Oh, man. I mean, I've been pretty spoiled. So when I, when I see the beaches of Malibu, man, I, wow. oof, yeah, they are... With the wind going, nice weather, twenty four seven. Living in California was pretty awesome until it got yeah. too expensive. 
Malibu is very cool. One of my favorite restaurants in the whole world, and we got to go. A little dive fish place right in Malibu with the Real Inn right on uh, PCH. So I'm glad you have a happy place. Our happy place is here. I will be back with you again on Thursday. Have a great night. Bucks Weekly coming up with Justin Garcia on the other side of the news. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks for listening and being a part of a show, everybody. Talk to you later. It's WTMJ Nights.